The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanay with Jim Cramer, David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Futures did get a lift around 4 a.m. Eastern on a report that U.S.-China trade talks were progressing despite the recent rhetoric. We've lost some gains, though, as ADP shows the slowest pace of job growth in about six months. Europe's up about a percent. Bond markets awaiting ISM services in one hour. Our roadmap begins with the trade roller coaster. Stocks look to rebound from a three-day slide after that report that trade negotiators are edging closer to a deal. Plus, Alphabet's shakeup. Google's founders, Larry Page and Sergey Brin, both step away from their current official roles, but they still control the votes at the overall company. And another setback for Boeing, United tapping rival Airbus to upgrade its new transatlantic fleet. Stocks are looking to recoup some of their losses from yesterday's sell-off, some renewed optimism about U.S.-China trade talks. Moments ago at the NATO summit in London, the president did say discussions with Beijing are going well. And this comes a day after he said it might be better to wait until after the election to strike a deal. Other piece this morning, guys, is that uh, Reuters says Jared Kushner has been added to sort of the negotiating team, having meetings with the Chinese ambassador. Well, that, that would signal more people who are globalist involved. He's a bit of a globalist. But uh, when we, every time we make a conversation about this, the Chinese have been moving the goalposts. We don't really know why. I mean, look, the more pressure you get on Hong Kong, uh, that's just a different thing entirely from trade. And I think that the PLA, the army, feels very threatened. Uh, remember, there's the hard line. They have a hard line and we have a hard line. So I, I really I, I don't buy into the president saying things are better. I think things are stasis, which is that if the, if the Chinese want to roll back tariffs, then there will be additional tariffs. If the Chinese are accepting that there will be that they will make a change and do something intellectual property, then the December 15 tariffs will be stayed. That's the, that's the news. And, and I, I'm just simply not willing to comment every day on this because the president has not changed his view. They, the Chinese have to do the ag buy. They got to buy this expedient is unbelievable. Yeah. They got to do the ad buy and they got to buy uh, pork, which they desperately need. And they got to pay full price. And they're not. They're not playing ball at all. So uh, I, mean, I think he wants to say nice things. But mm-mm. so the back and forth this going well, not going well, might happen, might not happen. Yeah, but pres- president, she has to do something. He's got to not be general. She. He's got to be president. She. Because I think the PLA is getting very nervous about the pro-democracy movement in Hong Kong. They're not used to it. They're also not used to the idea that the New York Times on the front page has a story about a million people being in a concentration camp. Uh, that, that's not fake news. 
It's uh, New, York, New York Times issue. No, the Uyghurs, that's a, that's a, it's a big issue. It's been, Is there? Oh, yeah, my friend Kyle Bass, who was on earlier on Squawk Box, has been talking about that for quite some time, but it has risen to become sort of a broader issue. Did you see the film, the New York Times did? Uh, I've seen some of it. Extraordinary. Yeah, sure. I've seen some of it, and I'm but aware they, of, the, of the detention facility that they've had for some time and the, the extraordinary means they go to monitoring that population. Yeah, the idea that they're using our, our technology to be able to screen. Whoa. So let's keep in track. There's two tracks here. There's the political track and there's the economic track. Political track going off the rails for the Chinese. Thankfully, we also get to talk about corporate news this morning. We were, going to get to, we were going to get to Google, obviously, given the significant changes there. But Expedia just hitting the uh, wires right now, guys, as, you, uh, as you've seen as well. Um, Mark Okerstrom and the CFO are both out. And this is somewhat extraordinary in that it is immediate. And it clearly is Barry Diller saying, in fact, quoted as saying, ultimately, Senior management and the board disagreed on strategy. Earlier this year, Expedia embarked on an ambitious reorganization plan with the goal of bringing our brands and technology together in a more efficient way. This reorganization, while sound in concept, resulted in a material loss of focus on our current operations, leading to disappointing third quarter results and a lackluster near-term outlook. The board disagreed with that outlook, as well as the departing leadership's vision for growth. Strongly believing the company can accelerate growth in 2020, um, and so that divergence necessitated a change in management. I mean, very straightforward talk here. The board has said, we disagree with you. You are fired. How many quarters can you miss? The answer is not many when Barry Diller runs it. How about the fact he's a 20 million share repurchase? Stock was down three initially. I think that the people who were selling it then didn't seem to understand that the guys who were running Expedia couldn't shoot straight. They had a tremendous lead on everybody. They, they're doing terrible. Yeah, well, we know the, um, the change in the algorithm at Google, Google. in terms of Google search. Did that. Like what uh, they did and, to Zillow, what and, they did to... What it meant to them and, and to the Yelp. changes there. And it also affected the likes of TripAdvisor, which uh, should talk a bit about. Uh, I talked to John Malone about actually a couple right. of weeks ago because they're a significant holder there. And in Expedia, where Diller has all their votes. Actually, Malone sold his Expedia, but uh, uh, in part for... Uh, tax reasons. Well, I find this incredible because we have now seen a lot of CEOs fired. Typically, they've been fired for uh, ethical reasons. Here's a guy who's being fired because he hasn't delivered the numbers. And uh, I, I think that those who remember the, uh, the predecessor was doing pretty damn good there. Yeah, that was actually, I thought, really interesting. Because Bashar had... When he questioned why Dara ever would have left Expedia in the first place. Isn't but that something? Dara, you wanted... Did you ever talk to Dara about Expedia? He had a game plan. But if you wondered who was running things over there, it's Barry Diller, chairman of the board, and Peter Kern, the vice chairman, will oversee the company's executive leadership team. They will manage day-to-day operations while they determine the long-term leadership for the company. You can see the stock is picking up a bit of, uh, a, a bit of gains here. As you pointed out, Jim, they're going to buy back. I'll be purchasing additional right. shares in the company as a tangible sign of my faith in and commitment to Expedia's long-term future. Again, that's Barry Diller. Right. Um, you know, it's interesting. Okerstrom is, and neither Okerstrom nor Pickerel are really being mentioned as people who are going to spend more time with their family. No. no. They're spending time is, on the unemployment line. This is not, this a, really this is not a leaving family thing. This no. is we disagree with your strategy. We're disappointed in your execution and you no. are out. Maybe they can use Expedia to go uh, rent a property and they've got that division the that they bought. Yeah. Right. I mean, maybe I take my place in Mexico. I've listed it with them. I, 
you know, I got a housekeeper. Uh, yeah, it does sound like, in addition to the stock repurchase, that Diller himself is buying some yes. shares, right? Yeah. That, that, it's a little well, it's vague, a better company. Says, yes. So as a tangible sign of my faith. Authorize up to an additional 20 million shares, which is in addition to the 9 million that are already available. So now it's 29 million. And then, as to your point exactly, Carl, uh, Diller says, I'll be buying more shares myself. Well, you know, it's interesting to see a company underperform and CEO get fired as opposed to blame World Trade. I mean, we didn't hear we didn't hear World Trade. That was a brutal day, of course. That day when the when the stock fell over twenty percent oh. on the uh, on well, the unexpected. Was a huge thing. Now remember Google, which we're going to be talking about. Google is king. I mean, why is the government looking at Google? Okay, so Google changes the algorithm, and then suddenly a company loses you know, a huge percent of their value, and people say, well, why didn't they figure out the Google algorithm? Well, it's natural search. Also, it doesn't even fit. A lot of people do it now on this instead of on their. And so it doesn't even fit on your screen. In other words, you're not going to see their stuff because of... That's right. Because that was a the- really, really good point. Uh, Google did it to Yelp. Uh, Google did it to Zillow. I mean, and, yeah. Google, the only thing that Google hasn't done it to is your fantasy. And I hope you have good... I mean, Schefter tells me I'm okay. Uh, we're going back and forth about whether to play a giant against the Eagles. That's- yeah. Well, the trade works both ways. Uh, when you want to be curated the right way, it uh, obviously grows the business. Well, I wonder whether the new, whether Google, this, with the founders uh, moving away, will Google get even more aggressive or will they buy back stock and do something to reward shareholders in a way that obviously the stock is saying? I don't think there's going to be that much change uh, because if you ever listen to the conference call, you haven't heard these founders talk in ages. No. Now, uh, speaking of uh, C-suite changes, uh, Sundar Pichai is going to be CEO of both Google and Alphabet. In his post, uh, Page and Bryn write, with Alphabet now well-established and Google and the other bets operating effectively as independent companies, it's the natural time to simplify our management structure. We've never been ones to hold on to management roles when we think there's a better way to run the company. And Alphabet and Google no longer need two CEOs and a president. Uh, The Journal, meanwhile, has some remarkable reporting about Bryn's management style, the day they were thinking about whether to buy YouTube in this about. meeting where he jumps on an exercise, exercise bike and works yeah. up a sweat. That's a long yeah. time ago. Yes. Well, by the way, whatever it was, it was a good decision. <laughs> yes. But I, I, to yes. You know, Pinchai's been running those calls and Pinchai's, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. Pinchai runs the call for a little bit and then Borat runs for the bet, you know, the rest. Um, I said Bor. I said Borat, not Borat. Correct. Okay. And not Sasha Baron Cohen, who uh, who has been speaking out. A lot of wow. people still watching Against that Facebook. Speech. That speech was incredible. People ago. have not spent any time watching that speech. Takes there's a three minute version. Just go watch it. Um, but you know what? I think the investor takeaway here may be more positive than one would think. Indeed, because this is the take I got from somebody who owns the stock. A couple of people actually this morning. It's good. You know why? Because Larry's been overseeing this moonshots, the other bets. It's Waymo. It's the drones. It's Loon. And maybe this means that they're going to pull it in a little bit. Oh, they my, yes. They $15 billion so far in these things, or it depends on how you want to measure the numbers over what period of time. But we don't know um, exactly how much money they've been losing on them. Right. But will it result in a little more discipline? The point you've made many times with Ruth Porat there, but now that these guys are no longer even in those roles, overseeing well, other bets. I want a piece Not of our mention, will we get a YouTube breakout of, of oh, well, actual numbers on YouTube? Because apparently there was an argument made as to why they couldn't, because they reported different ways, right. and if the CEO didn't need it, then why would you? I don't know. I'm not quite sure I follow, but that's also. People wonder whether we're going to see a little more transparency. Thomas Curian. Curian. Once known as Darth Vader, now known as LeBron James of the Google Cloud. 
this man is such a force that he is recruiting all the good people for cloud services that are available. He's making a major push. I want to start seeing something about that. Waymo, notice, I don't know, last night there was a call about NVIDIA. They're really, no, no one's really talking about autonomous cars right now. They kind of dropped out. Uh, verily, their healthcare option, again and again, I'm hearing positive things. But who the hell knows? They've got two healthcare companies going on there. I mean, the places, the other bets, uh, you know, they have not beaten the spread in ages. Right. So you think this might lead to a valuation that's a little more competitive than it that's has what been I relative think. to peers? I mean, now, not that the stock's done badly, but geez. When you speak with the healthcare business, you realize that they're two competing healthcare businesses. When you talk about Waymo, you realize that they've actually been a little de-emphasis of that because it's just autonomous has been uh, kind of dropped off the face of the earth. But, you know, when I I look at at YouTube and I look at this Google Cloud Services, they are way behind. They're way behind Amazon Web Services. Great meeting yesterday, Amazon Web Services. How well they're doing. Azure, obviously, there's, there's no doubt about it that Azure is a huge, huge winner. But Thomas Curian, remember that name, okay? If I were Satya Nadella at Microsoft, I'd be saying, how did Curian get that job? He came from Oracle, but he's so much better than the strategy at Oracle. He is on fire, and he's saying, listen, I'll be, I'll be your partner, I'll be your enemy, frenemy, but Curian's not talked about enough, and that is the name to know now that these two gentlemen are stepping aside. Huh. Curian. That's the first time I think you've mentioned him. Oh, yeah, he is a heavyweight. You spend time with him, you realize, wow, you didn't do enough homework. I, I spent time, I did three hours of homework. I was like, I got pantsed. Jim, I keep hearing this what? stat that you were the first to share with me, and the percentages vary, but that still 85 or more percent of is on-premise still in terms of computing power. Fifteen percent is on the cloud. Eighty-five is on-premise. The opportunity is, Oracle. is still just No, no the opportunity is gigantic. The digitization uh, that, that uh, Mark... Benioff talked about with Keith Block last night. It is so in its infancy, it's still, you can't believe it's in its infancy. But Karen was talking about, listen, it's just green field everywhere because there's been so little movement because so many people are stuck on premises. I mean, they still have this like huge heart rate. It costs a fortune to get off of. I led a, a move to get off of, uh, of Oracle at the street.com. It must have cost us like five quarters. To migrate from oh to go to the web yeah, i mean you got to rip a, out oracle it's got to be a long-term investment play they're not just buying potentially microsoft or alphabet or aw or amazon but right. what companies are going to suffer as a result of that continued oracle. move oracle oracle and then oracle okay that's pretty straight yeah is it oracle you know what it's probably oracle <laughs> Well, we are going to get to Salesforce and Workday and some of the other names that made news last night. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash. We'll count down to the opening bell. Keep our eye on uh, trade, obviously, headlines and uh, the NATO summit, which is wrapping up. Futures look good, though, here as we try to cap off three straight days of losses. Don't go away. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. 
13 minutes to go before we get to an opening bell on uh, hump day for right. us. Uh, Workday also reported along with Salesforce after the bell. Right. The opposite of Kitschai taking over uh, the, the, the Google Alphabet. Here, Anil Bushri delivers a great quarter, but then gives you guidance that Jeffries, I think, correctly calls a, a head-scratcher. Piper says there's a growth of moderation. An alpha called Compass downgrades them. Uh, Bank of America, Merrill says conservative guidance. I myself was confused. I read the quarter twice. I Neil Bushry does an unbelievable job. And then he kind of talks tepidly. And he bought, he bought this thing, Scout, which is against uh, a company that I had on last night uh, that's a procurement company uh, called Coupa. Uh, and, and I came away saying, wait a second. Have this all there is? I mean, has Neil lost his step? Or are they not winning big names? Uh, now, he is conservative. He is a brilliant operator. But the, court, the conference call was not up to a Neil Bush snuff. I felt after it yeah. that maybe there is, uh, maybe there's just more competition in some of the areas he's in. Now, a lot of companies are... You know, one of the things that's happened, David, is, is that, like, you know, take CrowdStrike. People are going in against them. Zscaler. People are going, where well, you're now seeing a lot of companies that are starting to get other companies encroaching. Right. I felt that Workday, you didn't hear about Oracle this time. Remember, it was always in Neil Bushry versus the late Mark Hurd. Right. Uh, but I was. The, early on, they had the field to themselves yes, to they a did. certain extent. Or certainly mean, a lot of. Right. in front of them. Right. Human capital management is still doing well, but the financial capital, I don't know. I'd like that speak to Anil about it. I think Anil was too conservative on the conference call. I think things are doing better. I think he might be under-promising to over-deliver, but I did not like the call. Okay. I didn't like the call because I found myself thinking, wow, the headlines are better than the call. I think Anil was off his game, and I think he's fabulous. So, I mean, if there could be a do-over, you would give it to them. Well, the stock has not done much this year. No. You need to look at a long-term chart to put it. Oh, it's been spectacular. Yeah. Spectacular. Uh, We'll talk about Salesforce's earnings as well. Of course, Jim's got a lot to say there and a lot of other stories that we're watching for you as we uh, get ready for that opening bell 10 minutes from now. A lot more Squawk on the Street right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Coming off of three straight days of losses for all the major indices, and we're trying to avoid a decline today, which would make it the longest losing streak in about four months. Futures look good, though. Opening bell in eight minutes. You're watching CNBC Squawk on the Street, live from the financial capital of the world. The opening bell in five minutes on this very busy Wednesday. We've covered some of the trade news uh, and some corporate news this morning. Uh, data-wise, interesting overnight uh, as some of the market services PMIs come in. Uh, Eurozone, 51.9, uh, not too bad. No. We're going to get our own in about half an hour. ADP, though, Jim, is sort of the surprise. Yeah, I mean, that's what we have to watch because the, the you know, two-thirds of the economy is service. The reason why that's been so good is employment. You can't lose that. Uh, I found this number surprising. As long as you have good employment, we're going to continue with a a market that is not going to be as concerned about uh, some of these Chinese, so-called Chinese names, except of Apple. So that's that was the that was a chink. I'm not going to present that as being something up 67,000 in November. I would look like over 121,000 in October. Right, you won over 100. 
Uh, lowest number since May, second lowest report since 2010. Uh, and Mark Zandi, who has been, I'd say, ar- arguably net bearish on the economy, says the job market is, quote, losing its shine. So we'll see what uh, Friday brings. By the way, October ADP was 121, right. and NFP ended up being 131. I don't know. I mean, you got to go to Marty Musi from Paychecks, good piece by Lisa Ellis this morning, Moffin Nathan, who would say, look, yeah, the numbers aren't that good. We can't find workers. So I, I, you can't find workers, or you're finding workers that are in places where, uh, for instance, lots of people are incarcerated come out they, it was for cannabis. Uh, they're hired. I mean, I, I'm not buying into that things are getting weaker. I am buying into the idea that let's be careful. We need to see a steady, steady increase in order to be able to avoid the a real slowdown in the in, in the commerce that we do well economy, uh, and that's retail and housing. Sure, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, yeah. We'll get that number. I'm not about. overly worried. It just doesn't make sense to be overly worried. It's too early. Uh, Salesforce, of course, is down despite uh, better-than-expected numbers last night, driven by the cloud. The company says it expects revenue to double in five years. Last night on Mad Money, co-CEO Keith Block talked to Jim about innovation that the company sees as key to its growth. We've been talking about the customer 360 and the importance of providing that 360, that single source of truth, which has been the holy grail in our entire industry. We've been talking about this for 30-plus years, and now... Salesforce is in a position to do this. Nobody else in the industry can do this. Only Salesforce is able to do that. That's why companies are coming back uh, to Salesforce. They want to advise. They want our advice. They want us to play that role of trusted advisors to CEOs and senior executives. You did say yesterday bar was high to move the stock. Yeah. Okay. Look, the stock has run up big. Uh, the whole group has been coming down. People want more earnings these days. Uh, you heard him say the word truth. They said the word truth over and over again. What is that really about? It's about two things. One is that they've got this way to be able to make it so that they want all of your business. The other is very, it's Soto Voce. They hate Zuckerberg. They hate Zuckerberg. Uh, I met with, uh, with Mark Bennett recently with uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, there is a definitive line being drawn. Truth versus lies. They think that that Facebook is about propagating lies in order to make money. Now, of course, there's truth and lies, but they're saying that, like wow. Sasha Cohen. That's yes. pretty strong uh, words you're, you're using to portray their feelings. They hate him. Hate him. Okay. Hey, you don't say someone's a cancer if you like them. No. They no. were jeweling. But no joking around here. I mean, this, this is an alliance that's being built between the people who say, listen, you can trust us with, our, with your data. Remember, what is 360 Truth? You give us your data and we will tell you how to do better. What is 360 Lies? You give us your data and we sell it. Now, they did not point blank mention Facebook, but at the Night Badge Hot dinner, oh, my God, was an attack on Zuckerberg. So uh, beware. I mean, the, the, actually, no doubt about it, Benioff wants legislation. No doubt about it. Truth 360 is a way to say we are not like them. Now, of course, uh, when you listen to uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, he's saying that they would allow a 30-second spot from Hitler saying about the solution that they have for Jews. That is an extreme position. I don't know if they do that. Are you saying that there's a coalition building within right. Silicon Valley that is anti-Facebook? Is that no, what you're saying? saying it's here. It's here. It's here. I hear it. And, and I think that Facebook, now, obviously, Mark's done, Mark Zuckerberg's done a charm offensive. It's not charming. 360 Truth is about who's doing, selling your data, not Salesforce, and who is trying to 
Cal, Sasha Baron Cohen. And that is where that is where Mark stands, believe. There's the opening bell uh, here at the NYSE. Get a look at the S&P here at the big board. It's Brazilian oil and gas producer Petrobras over the Nasdaq. Uh, Wise Key International, a cybersecurity company celebrating its listing. I have to hand it to, Pre- to Petrobras. For the longest time, they were perhaps blue ribbon. That's what we thought of PBR. They have fixed their balance sheet. By the way, Brazil's doing better. Not that anybody wants to hear because apparently the civil rights situation, not the great, versus Argentina bordering on the failed state. By the way, who loses if Venezuela goes up? Who loses? Yeah. What do you mean? China. China yeah. spent a fortune. China. Belt and Road Coalition. Russia, Cuba, I don't know. Russia, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But you know who else loses? All those poor people who are just starving to death. It is just, it's a crime. Look, there's so it's many really crimes against humanity there. happening right now that we can't keep track of, but we also don't seem to focus on it. That's true. Uh, we are getting word that the president, uh, just tweeting Uh-oh. a moment ago, uh, he will be heading back to Washington, will not do a presser at the close of NATO, uh, quote, because we did so many over the past two days. Uh, of course, it comes after he was uh, Trudeau uh, and Johnson and Macron were seen appearing to mock the president and his long press conferences. Well, it's good because we get to do our job. I spent, I spent five hours yesterday prepping for the show. Now, that's no. not necessarily why he's changing his view. But, wow, those press conferences are really going on. They, no, he, he did take a lot of time. Yeah. Kind of answering questions. He, come, you know, he comes off much nicer in person than he does in tweet. Um, but we didn't get to anything yesterday. You know, I, I had all this work on this Estellas deal from yesterday for the Dentist Therapeutics. Now, I know it's a day late, but the stock was up over But don't, you're not yesterday. a dollar short on that one. Um, no. Orphan drugs still being yep. acquired. Yep. A lot of companies, people don't recognize, a lot of companies have come public. You can talk to Charles River Labs. They have, they do, uh, it's 1-800-LAB-RAP, by the way, if you want to be able to get what they use to try uh, these drugs on. Right. Um, I'm not kidding. 1-800-LAB-RAT. Dial it during the no, break. You're always on the phone during is, the break. This is about gene therapy. Uh, it's about the manufacturing, actually having manufacturing capacity for uh, Astellas. Yes. Um, you know, you had the one steal, remember, where that was, Roche is still actually at the FTC trying to get that deal approved. Right. Similar in terms of uh, gene therapy, where you take these vectors, you shoot the right gene in, you kind of mix it with a harmless virus to deliver to a tissue type. And you can basically defeat the the genes yeah. that are bad oh. and overwhelm them with the genes that are good. I know. I'm, no, you're not. You're not. Look, this is a, a it's years away. Theme. By the it way, it has nothing to do with China. Many of these drugs are years away, conceivably. Yeah, but if they from work. commercialization, but if they work, they're going to be enormous. Uh, and so you've got you know you've got a, a land grab here going on amongst some of these. And we don't talk about it enough because these which are is not. why they pay these incredible yeah. premiums. Well, look, I mean, you know, Glaxo is reinventing itself by doing these. Emma Wamsley. Uh, Novartis has done, as we know. Novartis does deal after deal after deal, including a deal that Not necessarily in this area, but in... Right? right. No, but these companies are all being, you know, look, they're all farm teams. Uh-oh, what happened? They're all farm teams. And uh, and by the way, you know who's got the most farm teams? Who? Celgene, and it's now going to be owned by Dr. Cafario. Not, now, go, it is owned. No, no, I'm saying yeah. they, they are going to own... It's going to be very interesting, because I think that's going to be a fabulous deal, not unlike AbbVie, which has been an incredible deal. You, you think the Bristol Myers acquisition of Celgene will go down as a success? No, it's a huge success. Huge. You wanted to put that word in front of it. Huge success. Bristol Myers goes to 65. Eh, they got some new drugs. They had a new one today. Graphos is host uh, drug. Very powerful. Uh, Dr. Caforio is able to take Celgene and turn it 
into uh, a powerhouse. In the meantime, they have a drug called Eliquis. It's going to take 100% share uh, blood thinner. And I believe, David, that op- that uh, Optivo is not as bad as people think when it's combined with your vote, which is anti-cancer. Yeah. Right. You know, the, well, it's, not it's bad. They're, it's a great drug. Well, no, but I'm saying that uh, but versus, it has, versus, versus key true, true versus key true. But their oncological, uh, their oncological uh, franchise now is, is second to none. And Dr. Caforio is a uh, speak softly, crush it, man. Very eloquent. Doctor. Not a lawyer, not a banker, a doctor. He's a doctor. I like doctors. I'm a doctor. Yeah, not a, a scriptwriter. Thank you. <laughs> um, Jim. Jim. Uh, Actually, he did say Jim. Jim, yes, I'm Jim. a doctor. <laughs> um, chips are back in favor, Jim. I guess uh, microchip guidance, a uh, little bit better uh, than it had been prior. Right. People are writing that. Right. I happen to like the Marvell Tech because they've been able to move much more aggressively into 5G. Uh, Morons and Chowder had sold it down very badly when they first scored the quarter. They didn't realize there was restructuring going on. Uh, and there was a terrific uh, Colette Cresty, brilliant seat. That's a mistake. Just buy that. Uh, brilliant CEO, CFO of, N- of NVIDIA talking about acceleration of data center. Very important. Acceleration of data center even from when they reported not that long ago. So NVIDIA will start bringing things back. But remember, this is, you know, we're tweet, a tweet away from sending all these back down again. So don't get too bullish. Right. Because NVIDIA needs the Mellanox deal to close. That's hung up by China. Yes. And obviously Apple, at, at any given time, people just think that there's going to be something negative about Apple. Even though the, the AirPod Pro can't make them fast enough. You know, I question Apple's uh, manufacturing ability here. They can never make the real good products enough for uh, the holiday season. <laughs> I've been trying to buy those for everybody. And I know I don't want them to be sent to me because I'm special. No, I just can't get them. Um, I did want to. You ever try to get something? What do you mean? Well, you know, people like want to give it. They say, listen, I AirPods. And then somebody says, wait, would you like AirPods? No, you have to say no. Like the Tesla 10. Oh, I the see. X. When you want someone to get you a gift, but Tesla. you have to. I hey, listen, you know, you right. can. You know, I'll give you a Tesla. I don't I want those, a Tesla. I'll buy a Tesla. Canceling AirPods do sound good. Kara Swisher was on the other day. She was raving about. I got those darn Bose things. I mean, it's like I might as well be on a helicopter. You I just look want like AirPods. you look like David Solomon uh, yeah. just spinning at the yeah. Amazon. Yeah, I, I think he should cut that out until they trade well above book. But I've said that to him, so I don't need to say it. It's not behind his back. I said it to his face. The DJ thing doesn't work when you're trading a, like one times book. He's got to take that on the down low? What? Yeah, you got that, Chief. Okay. Oh, he chiefed me. I, I almost sparked <laughs> you. Anything. Um, guys, it's not often you see a take under, so I wanted to point it out. It's not a large deal. Tom Bravo buying a company called Instructure for forty-seven sixty in cash. It was back in the middle of November when the company said it was looking at alternatives. There's been an activist in there as well uh, for, uh, oh, not that long, a little over a month or so. But take a look at the stock, INST, because it is down <laughs> Uh, 10%, which is, I don't mean to laugh, sorry. But you had a lot of people moving into this on the expectation of a deal. And they got the deal. The only problem is, what? It was far below the stock price. We're working on it. There it is. Thanks, guys. Uh, and in fact, wow. hope springs eternal. As you see, it's still trading above the actual price uh, at this point. It's an 18% premium to the three-month volume-weighted average back on October 27th. That was a day prior to when the company's third quarter earnings call, at which it did announce a strategic review for uh, for its bridge uh, business. Bridge um, business. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Nobody likes this. Nobody likes that. Um, let's people, take a look at Expedia. People want earnings now. What a, what a shame. Same uh, thing with like, the sales. Let's take a look at Expedia shares. Course, like so one of our lead stories this morning, 9 o'clock, uh, uh, 
You don't see it often, a press release that basically lays out the reasons why the board of directors, led by Barry Diller, the company's chairman, significantly disagreed with the strategy uh, of the executive team led by former CEO Mark Ockerstrom. Ockerstrom uh, and they basically said this departing leadership's vision for, the, for uh, the board disagreed with the company's outlook as well as the departing leadership's vision for growth, strongly believing the company can accelerate growth in 2020 and that divergence necessitated a change in management. There you see Expedia shares are up very nicely right now. Uh, they do increase their buy, buyback to uh, authorization by 20 million, so it's now 29 million shares available under that. Barry Diller as well indicates that he will buy additional shares uh, in the company. They yeah. are going to be looking for a new CEO. Diller will be holding that role uh, in the time being, but uh, pretty bold press release. Really remarkable. Not unexpected from Diller, but many others yeah, would not expect guy. Hey, by the um, way, you know what we don't talk about enough? What? We spend a lot of time on web. We spend a lot of time on uh, healthcare. You know the strongest stocks I follow right now are Eaton, which was downgraded, Illinois Tool Works, PPG. You know what these are? Classic industrials. They're supposed yep. to be hurt badly by China. I had PPG on last night, Michael McGarry. Where's the strength? China. China. Eaton downgraded, nobody cares. Illinois Tool Works, auto, nobody cares. If, these, if we are in such a horrible grips of a trade war with China, why can you buy these stocks and make money? And the answer is things are pretty good. And it's just the... Uh, uh, the res- things keep resonating negatively, but these are the stocks to own. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. None of the, the numbers aren't going up, but people love them. Now, PPG's got some good margin situation, but I, I just call these to mind because if everybody gets too negative, they're going to miss actual industrials that are doing well. Yeah, I see uh, United Rentals doing okay today. I see Cowan, their top picks for next year. We were talking about Target's one of them. The other one's UTX. That was a very compelling report. I wanted to buy UTX when I read that because the combination uh, with Raytheon is going to be amazing. Right. It, it, it's, it's good. You know, these companies are overlooked because people say, oh, I don't want to touch industrials because of the president. No. I mean, the stock that always gets hurt when the president says something is Apple. 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 Uh, Apple is up. It's up. Until it's down. Now, don't trade Apple, own it, but there's people who can't it's resist. Been, uh, I did hear you groan, though, uh, a few minutes ago when I mentioned Boeing. And UAL is replacing these 7.5s with uh, A321s. Yeah, I mean, I had American on. They weren't that positive about Boeing. I had uh, Mr. Munoz on. He wasn't that, pos- you know, wasn't that positive about Boeing. And we had uh, Gary Kelly uh, from, uh, from Southwest. And you start worrying about how much does Boeing own? And how much is Boeing owe? And I think that Boeing's got a lot of planes, and Boeing owes a lot of money. Uh, now, it, it, someone yesterday said to me, Jim, you got to start talking about Boeing's dividend. I said, well, let's see how much they owe first. But Boeing's in a bad, bad place right now. And the stock's still hanging in there. Yes. Because, sure because of the uh, worldwide, obviously, there's a shortage of planes. Right. I don't like all these. I didn't like that when United switched. If I were Boeing, I'd be like, Wow. Uh, and they're, they're not the only ones who are ordering nope. some of these new families of, uh, of A320s. I think JetBlue has some. Yeah. No, this is for real. Yeah. Uh, they owe these companies a lot of money. They're going to have to pay uh, Because of the max. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they have good cash flow and a very well-run company. But look, there's uh, this doesn't end. This got to end soon. They got to end this soon. It's not up to them. What do you got there? I got Carl Icahn's uh, latest his letter. See? No. Carl Icahn's come public now on Xerox, Xerox HP. Yeah. Not unexpected that Mr. Icahn, who owns um, 
over 10% of uh, Xerox shares and 4.2% of HP Inc. shares, Wood put out a letter. Uh, he's done so this morning, basically saying he cannot believe the recalcitrance of HP's board in terms of its unwillingness to engage with Xerox at this point, allow Xerox due diligence. Remember, we were reporting a lot on this right. previously, and there's a lot more to come here. Uh, the window to nominate directors is still a few weeks away from opening. Um, but as I've indicated previously, it's very possible this will go into April or May, whenever you're going to get an annual meeting uh, at this point. But um, Icon, for his part, says he can't believe the recalcitrance of HP's board is driven by any real confidence in its standalone restructuring plan, which the market shareholders and analysts met with extreme indifference, right. which seems to amount to little more than rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Boy, is that harsh. He goes on to say the road to the graveyard on Wall Street is littered with the bones of companies such as Eastman Kodak, which wasted a great deal of valuable time by coming up with one ill-fated plan after another and also failed to act decisively when transformative opportunities presented themselves. Well, it's Xerox that's come up with a failed opportunity. Yes, I think think you could say the same about Xerox. Yes. Um, Although I do think that the... uh, there is uh, no doubt about it. There's, there's compelling reasons to find Well, oh, there are. That because they're because basically, HP told us it was basically 2018. Numbers, although HP seems to dispute the $2 billion or more in cost synergies that Xerox certainly seems to believe is there. Last quarter that, by was the good. way, is going to be, to some extent, jobs. We all know that. But um, well, Enrico, those are big numbers for two companies that are having a hard time finding any real growth. You're absolutely right. Now, Enrico Loris, new CEO, obviously, when, the board wants to give him a chance to put his plan in action, uh, lay off 9,000 people, do a new subscription policy uh, for uh, Inc., which I think makes a lot of sense. Right. Uh, they are the leader in PCs. They keep taking share. At the same time, I mean, Carl's right. It's not a robust market, but they're doing, they are gaining share. I, I think they should de-emphasize. They always talk about what they're doing in 3D, and they're still not there yet. Um, Icon is the secret weapon here on Xerox's side. We'll see, you know. Four and a half percent, four point two. It's not an insignificant position. He owns an HP. I thought you were going to oh. talk about Oxy. Oxy. He's also nominated all these all yeah. these directors. How's it going? Uh, did you see? Did you see the slate? Did you actually look at it? Like it? The Newell, it? Yeah, it's like not, the Newell slate. It's not a particularly impressive group of executives. Ah, you know, they, beauty's the eye of the beholder. But yeah, Vicky Hall's going to have Icon to deal with now on that. All right. All right. Gotcha. Uh, oil and semis helping out today. Uh, Dow's up almost 180. VIX below 15. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Morning, Bob. Morning, Carl, and uh, happy Wednesday, everybody. Three to one, advancing to declining stocks. Great open, and we're still right near the highs for the day. The usual trade movers, this time on the upside. This was the exact opposite yesterday, of course. Semis, uh, energy, which uh, have had a pretty downdraft, a notable downdraft in the last few weeks, up today. Retail, which had a terrible day yesterday, up. Banks, tough day yesterday on the upside. Consumer staples, uh, essentially flat at the open, but even consumer staples, the defensive sector, moving a little bit up. In other words, the point is, this is a very broad advance. Even the defensive stocks are somewhat on the upside. So remember what's moving the markets, the four things that have moved the markets this year. Let's handicap that quickly. Still very positive. Fed still neutral. Consumer still strong. These are really positive data points and a main reason why we're just off of our highs. The trade outlook, I said uneasy truce yesterday. Let's just say for the moment that it's uncertain, but it's not necessarily uh, negative right now. Global economy still very mixed. We're trying to figure out whether there's a bottom in the global economy, and we keep getting conflicting numbers. So look what we've had just recently in terms of the economic news here. China's services numbers. We're looking at services now. 
beat overnight. That's good news. Their manufacturing beat earlier. European services, their numbers were better than expectations. The manufacturing numbers earlier were better than expectations. And then we had that US ADP number. That was a big miss. And we had a disappointment on US manufacturing earlier in the week. So you see this sort of conflicting data. We're trying to get the bottom, and we're not sure where it is. Some people have noted maybe an L bottom that we're dealing with, not a U bottom. You know, you see, everybody's confused. The marginal move of the market remains trade. Let me just show you what the S&P looks like in the last month, okay? So here's November 15th. You notice how the market goes up on November 15th? Administration officials say a trade deal with China was nearing, and domestic economic data was stronger, okay? Now, here, November 20th, we're moving down. The stock market moves down. Reuters reports phase one China deal may not be completed by the end of the year. Wait a minute. The opposite of what we heard a few days ago. Notice here we have a nice upswing here. That's what's going on because there was trade optimism. Maybe we're going to have a deal. Here we have Brazil tariffs. And today, yesterday, of course, the president saying maybe we won't have something until the election today. Maybe we will have a trade deal on the upside. Does this all make you crazy? Do you feel like getting up some days and yelling at the stock market? One of my rules of broadcast journalism is don't yell at the stock market. Boy, a lot of people have been yelling at me about the stock market. We're not going to be taken in, Bob. We don't want the whole trade headlines to dominate trading every day. But it makes perfect sense. It is a marginal mover. The outcome of the trade talks are uncertain. The principles, the two principles, do not know what the outcome of the trade talks are going to be. How can we know what they are? There's a whole subset of traders who come in every day, trade intraday on headlines. This is a big headline. It's not surprising that people are trying to make money around all that. And, of course, that's the key for intraday trading. So, Carl, I know a lot of people want to yell at the stock market. I think everyone should just sort of calm down and recognize what's going on. So we solve this puzzle. It's going to be a little bit volatile. Back to you. Okay, Bob. Thanks very much. Let's get to the bond pits as well. Rick Santelli at the CME with some data in a few minutes. Morning, Rick. Yes, some big data in a few minutes. And, you know, everybody is uh, up in a tizzy about all the trade issues. Bob outlined it quite well. But at the end of the day, is there really a question on trade? If there was, we wouldn't be hovering, hanging out in the zip code of all-time highs. The volatility... Thank God for computers and day traders because they like volatility, as Bob pointed out. But the data that we have been getting, it definitely has been spotty, not all bad. It really does fit. It seems as though the trade issues push a little farther in a market that's willing to move. Look at a 24-hour of 10s. At 8.15, it reflected the notion that ADP was a disappointment. But also notice, long before that, it popped up a bit above yesterday's lows, and it's still hovering above them. Look at a week-to-date chart of 10s. Even though we popped a bit, you can see we're clearly depressed. And a week-to-date of Boone's, very similar formation. Small bounce there as well. Now, when it comes to Looking at JGBs, it's hard to make minus 03 seem like a high yield, but nonetheless, as you look at this chart that starts on April Fool's Day, it is a seven-month high. It settled at minus 02 yesterday. We want to pay attention, see if we can get all the way back up to zero. And finally, the dollar index. Fourth session down. None of them have been super big, but cumulatively, we've given a lot back. You can see hovering at one-month lows. Carl, David, Jim, back to you. All right. Thanks very much, Rick. Still to come this morning, it's been a rough 12 months for Canada Goose. Shares down more than 40%. Will the business of winter boost its fortune? Stay tuned for an interview with the CEO as the Dow has some nice gains for the first time in four sessions. We're up 188.
Take a look at the Dow 30. Only a few components are in the red. Uh, Verizon, Visa, and Disney, and not by much. We're up 189, and we're going to get stopped trading with Jim after a short break. Carl are saying this J and J, you know, they did the tests on the talc, uh, found no asbestos. You know, they found no asbestos before, and the plaintiffs bar basically, and some reporters saying, "Well, that's ridiculous." Uh, they did, they really did second-rate testing. Well, they're back doing the testing. It does seem to be that there's no uh, asbestos. But before people get too carried away, remember the journal, the journalist plaintiffs bar will have another shot. And they basically said the FDA did shoddy work. I don't think the FDA is going to just say, "Oh yeah, we did shoddy work." So uh, you can get excited today, but I think the FDA is going to have to come back and say, guys, no. Um, now, I, I say I believed in J&J, but that's been completely worthless because nobody cares and thinks that, well, Kramer likes it's business. Been, yeah, it's been a tough thesis given all the litigation. I still use it. Jim, what's on Mad tonight? I, I use it, by the way. Do you really? I got, yeah. I got Mattel on tonight. Oh, my. What a turn could be going on there. Uh, and this guy is uh, is just doing a terrible, a terrific job. Sorry, a doctor, terrible job. Doctor Mike Parry, hey, he's got spray on skin. That's fantastic. This is the kind of company gets taken over, David, eventually. And then the most important guests I've had this year, the what? people who precipitated the Ameritrade trade. Oh, the Robin Hood people. Robin Hood. They are not men in tights. They are men with nine hundred million. Yeah. I saw some new figures out this morning about number of users. Oh, that was supposed to be broken on my show. I'm sure you can cover it. You we'll see to you go. tonight. You have to go. Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.